Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two, episode nine. Nine? Yes. Nine, okay, nine yes. Nine. Yeah. Oh Almost God. double yeah, digits A for season two. Last this long. Video episodes. Um, to uh, the Professional Insights Podcast. Uh, my name is Brandon Curry. Josh Bond. Jeff Collins. Trevor Lindy. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. But first and foremost, thank you uh, very much to our uh, our guest sponsors, uh, Brand Boulevard, for Woo-hoo. giving our, uh, our our guests today a um, little, little thing. You know, little, we don't know what's in the box, so we don't. We, know. We, do we keep them a secret? Like we don't. Yeah. You, you haven't actually opened any of them when well, they gave I, them maybe, to you. Maybe it did. Well, maybe maybe Kevin so, can. Nice leather folio. Leather. Wow, there we go. Look at that. Um, so we've had a lot of questions about um, title insurance, just in general. People reaching out, like, what the heck is it? That kind of stuff. So. Every single buyer of mine. Yeah, well, that too, yeah. right? And well, they uh, want to know how the lawyer is spending their money, right. right? And one of the things the lawyer is spending their money on is title insurance because the bank or credit union wants it, and also the homeowner policy that they get with it. So, yeah. Bondo, I guess in, in layman's terms, first of all, what the heck is it? If you could introduce our guests. Today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, title insurance is uh, relatively new. Um, again, I've been practicing since 2004. Uh, and I've used it ever since, and I believe it came in more mainstream a few years before that. We'll let the, the more expert defer to, to the timing of those things. Um, but by and large, there's two ways that you can close a real estate transaction today. One of them is with a title insurance policy, or one of them is with an up-to-date building location survey. Right. So title insurance insures you against certain aspects about your purchase transaction should they arise. A common one would be, what if your house encroaches on the neighbor's property? Well, you're not going to know that because you don't have a current up-to-date building location survey if you're title insuring the transaction. So if the neighbor does a survey and finds out that your house is encroaching, then you'll be happy that you title insured the transaction. What through about a shed? A shed has different parameters. A lot of times, uh, depending on the side size, depending on... Uh, the foundation of it. Mm. Uh, if it's a, considered a movable structure, then uh, sheds, decking, and uh, fences could be still the responsibility of the purchaser. And that's usually what I would uh, counsel the clients on, just to be cognizant of the movable structures because they remain their res- their responsibility. Sorry, that, was, that was top of mind for me. So. <laughs> yeah. so without further ado, I'd like to introduce Kevin Rogers, Vice President, Educational Outreach, with who I would claim to be the uh, the leading uh, title leading, insurer yeah. uh, being Stuart Title. So, Kevin, I would I would claim that as well. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, what, what, maybe Kevin, what can you give us uh, Cole's notes about uh, title insurance generally? I mean, maybe augment or uh, append what I have already said, and uh, and please let us know what sets Stuart aside. Sure. Well, as you noted, title insurance is relatively new in Canada. It really came in in about the early uh, 1990s. Um, it's an old product from the United States. It's been there for hundreds of years. Our company was founded in Houston, Texas in, um, in um, 19, or 1893. Wow, 1893? Um, yeah, so it's wow. been around for a while. Um, but the concept of title insurance basically is not to replace lawyers. It's to basically replace some of the searches and some of the, uh, of the duties and liabilities that might fall upon a lawyer. So as was noted already, survey issues are covered, and surveys are quite expensive, always have been. I think the last time I um, had a session with a land surveyor, a full lot on a plan of subdivision was $3,500. 
So all title insurance policies cover you for er errors or defects that would have been revealed by an up-to-date survey at the time of closing. Now, as was noted, we don't cover the location of fences and boundary walls. Nobody does because they're never on the lot line. Most people uh, put up their own. They buy some lumber, they buy some cement, they rent a post hole digger and buy beer, and then they dragoon their friends into helping them. And yep, some pizza afterwards, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they so generally I, roughly follow the lot line. No, so. no, I don't. I just buy the beer and the pizza. I, I, I hire someone. I don't, I don't know how a hammer works. Yeah, that's, well, that's part of the problem. So, uh, so you know, that in and of itself is not covered. But, you know, the fact that it deviated a couple of foot of feet doesn't really make much of a difference anyways. But if it deviated, say, 10 feet, then, then we would cover it. We might cover the loss in value. We're just not going to move the fences. So and in, in encroachments by buildings from the uh, adjoining lot onto yours or on, uh, from yours onto the adjoining lot, things like that, zoning violations and so forth, it goes a lot farther than that. But one of the major things that it has covered is fraud. And that's something that's only really come about in about the past, I'd say, 20 years. I started practice. I was a lawyer initially back in 1985, and back then fraud was unheard of. We didn't even ask people for their ID when they came to our offices. Now it's a huge problem, and we pay out millions of dollars a year in fraud. And the frauds are generally perpetrated by somebody taking somebody's ide identity and then mortgaging their property. In some extreme cases, if it's a rental property, they'll even sell that. They'll take, the renters will take on the identity of the owners and sell their property. Uh, so it's something that has not abated at all. These guys are very bright, and uh, they change it up. Soon, as soon as we get a handle on one area, they move into another. So we spend a lot of time working with lawyers on fraud, uh, um, basically prevention and so forth, but it's still, it's still a problem. So that is covered, and that's certainly something that a, a traditional lawyer's title opinion would not cover because they can't, they can't cover you for anything after the closing of the property. Could, so, could you speak to that, actually, how they would take over some of your houses? Because i got a lot of clients that are you know, older ones that have no mortgages on there or anything. I think that's typically the target, right? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people will point to a, to a house without a mortgage, but really, if you're going to fraudulently transfer the house, you'll fraudulently discharge the mortgage, so mm -hmm. I think it's a pretty wide area. What basically the fraud artist does is somehow they get a hold of your identity, and then they will forge identification and so forth, and then they will apply for a mortgage. And a lot of these happen through private mortgages, not always, but mm -hmm. quite often they do. And in, in, in the, this day and age, it's unusual for, for lenders to actually do a physical appraisal of the property. So basically, they'll look at online, see if it falls within line, and they'll do that. And typically, they're second mortgages and so forth. Yeah. So they'll even, the fraud artists will even um, you know, have a bank account open, and they'll put in enough money to make several months' payments while, while they, they abscond. And, and uh, when it obviously goes into default, then the people who are living there get served with a notice of sale under mortgage. <laughs> then the whole thing comes to light. So the, oh, wow. it's, it's not at all unusual. And um, they're, very, they're very resourceful, these people, as I noted, and usually the money's out of the, out of the jurisdiction the same day. Right, so the, the, the mortgage will be granted. They'll, they'll take all, the, they'll take all the, the, the money and because it's a second mortgage, so it could be used for whatever you want. That's right. And then uh, they'll leave a little bit of money in the account so that it'll, just, it'll go for about a month or two, and then they're off to the Cayman Islands or wherever the heck they want to use it for. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it changes from place to place, but that's basically the, you know, the fundamental <laughs> idea behind it. And as I said, sometimes if they're tenants and you have an absentee landlord, mm -hmm. then they'll take on the identity of the landlord and they'll sell the property. Or they'll, they'll forge a power of attorney 
where the landlord become or the, the the landlord becomes their their relative and gives them a power to deal with it and they'll sell it as well. So, uh, Kevin, I, I, I guess just from our listeners' perspective, if so, let's just go through the steps here. I'm I'm going out. I'm uh, I've hired on Jeff to to be my realtor. I've gone through Trevor to be my my mortgage agent and. Uh, Bondo is going to be my my real estate lawyer, and I'm going out and I'm buying a said doesn't matter a, a said home right that's already been in existence you know maybe it's a 30 40 year old year old home, and um, then we do a purchase of offer it goes through Trevor mortgage gets approved the whole bit it then gets flipped over to Bondo and then what happens. Okay, well the lawyers have have a choice and clients have a choice. Title insurance is not mandatory. It is something that, that, that people choose, and that's provided for under the lawyer's rules of professional conduct. Although, although title insurance or a survey with a lawyer's opinion is often mandatory from a lender. Yeah, yeah and I'm actually finding a lot of lenders now are just saying no title insurance. Almost, almost right? exclusive. Because cost-effective, all that. And efficient. because of the fraud coverage, the lenders are really you got aware it. of that as well. Yes. So it's a choice that's made by the client, but the reality is that it saves the client money. Sure I mean, does. Not just, not just the survey, but when you buy title insurance for a residential property, the <coughs> lawyer is not required to, to obtain a lot of the off-title searches for taxes, work order and zoning, things like that, um, you know, septic systems, things like that, which run into hundreds of dollars in and of themselves. So in most cases, the money that you pay for a title insurance policy will almost be covered or will be covered by the savings. So, it's, so the client pays yes. for this service out of the <coughs> as an disbursement, pay, right? as a disbursement to, to the, Correct. and how much would this cost typically? It really, it really varies on, um, based on the value of the property. So it's a fixed amount up to 200000 another amount up to 500000 and over that it goes up $0.90 cents per thousand, so $90. Based on the impact valuation? Of, of it, no, it's based on either the purchase price of the property, mm -hmm. which is typical, or, or, or in a mortgage it's just based on the fact it's a mortgage, so it's okay. always the purchase cool. price. Does it also vary type of property? So residential versus agricultural. I know commercial is a different animal, yeah. and, and absolutely that does. But Yeah, no, commercial is, is different. We, uh, we, and I think most other title insurers, would define a commercial property as anything up to and including six residential, or residential properties, anything up to including six residential units. Okay. Seven or more would be considered commercial. And something with a mixed use, so if you had, for instance, retail stores on the bottom, uh, apartments above, that would be uh, commercial. Sure. Now, farms, we treat a little differently. Um, we, we allow um, lawyers to uh, insure a farm residentially, which is less money and has broader coverage. Uh, if it's up to $2 million, it has a residential house on it, and it's not zoned um, commercial, which would be unusual. Okay. Okay, so there's a savings there. So yeah, it there doesn't... wouldn't be a restriction based on the number of acres. Nope. No. Okay. No. Nope. Nope. That's good. Okay. Question for you here. I'm a builder, and we buy a lot from a developer, and we're gonna, our plan is to build on it. So we have to have a survey in order to build, to apply for permit. We'll probably have the lot for maybe six months. We do have the survey already. Should we get title insurance on something like that? It's something that a lot of the developers do, and as a matter of fact, we do have a program that we can do for a development where we basically will provide title insurance to the builder, but we'll also put on a master policy for the whole development so okay. that when somebody buys a lot, they have or a house, a finished house, they have the option to buy insurance through us at a cost savings. And we've already pre-written, underwritten all of the problems, if any, with the property. 
So we call it the Builders Program, and it's something that we've had for a few years. And even with a survey, mm -hmm. you still have to submit that survey to the municipality. They've got to vet it, make sure it's compliant with their their uh, zoning and bylaws, mm -hmm. and then get it back. So that comes at a cost as well. Then there's also a tax inquiry that... What, what kind of things could potentially pay bucks. out for, for, for me and my situation on that if I, if I got something? Well, in most cases, the survey that you've obtained is a, is, is, is a found, foundation location survey. Yeah, like a building envelope. Or yeah, and, you know, basically it's there only to determine the setbacks and so forth of mm -hmm. the property, which is, which is fine, although I have had surveyors admit to me that they, um, they use the term fudged the setbacks. I asked them if that was a technical term, but uh, <laughs> they actually um, rounded them down or uh, up to to allow them to meet the uh, the um, requirements of the municipality, and then when we had a, an updated survey done, they were actually almost a foot out, so uh, they didn't comply. What about in the case of if there's a geotechnical report on the property, and then they build a foundation, and then the foundation wasn't properly done, so a footing sinks down, and the back half of a house. That's not the purpose of title insurance. It's not. It's not basically functionality or quality insurance. Okay. It deals specifically with the title to the property. Okay. So any anything that arises from that. Now there can be times when uh, a physical problem with the property is covered because it is also a legal property. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. It was actually one down on the peninsula here. A young lady um, bought a, bought her first house. It was a resale uh, around Christmas time from an estate. Moved in. And she hadn't been in very long when the, the, the township came around and said, uh, we're here to do a final inspection on your addition. She didn't know there was an addition. Uh -huh. She allowed them in to do an inspection. They came back with a list of deficiencies and issued a uh, work order. Now, one of the coverages we give is we don't require you to do a building and zoning search, which would have revealed that. Uh -huh. and therefore For residential. We, okay. Therefore, we cover that. And so she submitted a claim. We hired somebody to go out and have a look at it. They came back and said it's going to cost about $15,000 to, to handle these issues. So basically we retained somebody to do it. They started working. And they determined that after a, after a week or so, there was a lot larger problems than had been identified. Apparently the plumbing in the addition had been connected to the uh, main house with PVC accordion piping, mm. the type that you might drain your oh pool boy. with. Oh and, and apparently all of the sewage had rotted through and there was no basement, there was a crawl space. And the um, oh entire crawl space was filled with sewage which was rotting out the floorboards and everything else. Oh. So keep in mind, this was during the winter so nobody could smell anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that um, we had a number of options. One was to try and raise the house from the foundation, but that was too risky. Um, so it came out basically that the final amount that we would require to alleviate this problem was $185,000. And that was coincidentally the amount she paid for the property. Oh, wow. So we have the right under the policy, and all title insurers do, to basically determine all our obligations by paying the policy amount. So we said, we don't know what you want to do here, but here you go. We paid out your mortgage. We gave you the rest of it. She yeah. owned the house free and clear. And she was very happy. I guess she was going yeah. to get her friends to help her. Would there be any issues that they never got a house inspection in that case where they didn't go in the crawl no, space? We don't, no, we don't require people no? to do that. Okay. No, I mean, we would look at if there was a house inspection and <clears throat> identified problems, then that's mm -hmm. a known issue. Yeah. And regular insurance law is such that if you know about something, it's not covered. Yeah. But, you know, we don't require it. So okay. they, so she literally, so you paid up the base amount of the policy. So yeah. you paid out 185000 bucks, She and then... So she had no mortgage on the property, but and then, but then all you said was, okay, then 
now you're on the hook to get all this fixed. Yeah, yeah. So that was the, the policy's value. done at that the policy's point. Policy's done, right? Just yeah. like your life insurance That's policy right. that you sell. You know, it's and, done and now. when you think of it, I mean, you know, the, even even if the house isn't worth something, the land's worth something. For sure. You know, so apparently she was quite right happy by it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Walk but, away with 170 and no, there's, we've, a big down payment. There's, there's, I can give you all sorts of examples of claim. I never understood uh, under the building code, apparently you can build a house with a wooden foundation. And uh, there was a situation north of, of Toronto where somebody had built a rather large ranch-style house and never had a final inspection. So apparently the wooden foundation wasn't barriered. There was nothing. They didn't put any barrier between it and the soil they backfilled it and of course it started to rot out and after a little while the house started to subside again there was an open permit that somebody could have found if they'd done the search we ended up having to pay to actually lift the house off the foundation and put a new foundation in I'd love to go to the city and apply for a permit with a wooden foundation just to see what they'd say yeah I, th I mean it thought it was interesting I, I thought they... <laughs> I thought it was the strangest thing yeah. I'd ever heard of so you know there's there's all sorts of issues like that and the frauds are big and so forth so you know, I mean, we get claims every day, and right at this point in time, as far as I can recall, we are currently paying out or reserving about 30 cents on every dollar that we take in. Really? It's the highest ratio in the industry, and the reason that we that, that's the case is that steward title only works through lawyers. We think that lawyers should be involved in the transaction. They bring a lot of value, mm -hmm. and we ensure most of the um, purchase transactions in Ontario. And um, so there's a lot more claims on a purchase transaction than there is on a mortgage, for instance. What are your top three claims you have in residential, typically? Well, the, the most, in, term, in, terms of, in terms of volume of claims, it's taxes, water arrears, common expenses, and so forth. That would be probably close to 60% of the volume of claims we get in. But it's less than 10% of the dollar volume that goes out. So they're large amounts of claims, but they are typically smaller amounts. And we do have a recovery department. It's not a free ride. So, so tax arrears is one of the ones that is a... a yeah, it's a huge one. And more so, I mean, we find more so water because we do some, at least some due diligence for the taxes. Yeah. But water, we don't, we don't do any. A lot of them, it's metered, right? And yeah. They don't pay their final water bill. So the water's metered. You sell your house, you get a the final water reading, mm -hmm. final water bill as it relates to the property you sold, and you don't pay it. Hmm. So then I'm purchasing the property. I call my lawyer and say, I got this water bill here from before I owned it. And so then I make a demand for it. And then if it still goes unpaid, then we instruct the client to pay the bill. We contact Stuart. And then Stuart cuts a check to our client, and from our perspective, the problem goes away. Would it be good practice from a buyer, just 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 yep. in here, when they get their house to take a picture of the water meter the day they take possession, email it to themselves so they know where the meter was at, just so they could go back. They could, but it's usually always metered on closing. Yeah, the city gets called in. Yeah, right. Well, the city Welland, gets called they in. The city they have goes to do a tampering inspection. That's well, a different one. Welland's different. I know. No, no. They, Welland's <clears> different. You got to do two. Yeah. Right, so you've got to get make sure that you get a tampering inspection, and you have to get your your uh, meter read. Okay, so that's and we and we don't just cover arrears; we actually cover the final readings if they're not paid as well. Yeah. So you know that's something that you get an undertaking from the vendor to pay. But yeah. we, we we do pursue these people. We have a department that uh, goes after them because one of the things that a purchaser receives on closing is an undertaking from the vendor mm -hmm. to pay and readjust any items. Yeah. So if there are tax arrears, they're on the hook for that. They don't pay them, then we'll go after them. 
And that's why we probably have to make the demand for it, right? It's a subsequent, or it's a an adjustment subsequent to closing. So we're yeah. saying, hey, your client didn't pay this bill. Yeah. It's their responsibility. Like I, I tell I, my clients when I have when we're buying all that, like mm -hmm. title insurance is going to come with the lawyer. I say it's a no brainer. Just take it. Is the reason you'd say it's a no-brainer to help me with help well, Josh and everybody? Fraud's I mean, a big one. Well, fraud, fraud, okay. It's, it it's is. good for me to know because... Well, there's coverage you just can't get otherwise. I mean, fraud is, is an obvious one. A lawyer can only say, as of the date of closing, you have a good title of the property. If a fraud artist hits your house a year later, they're not responsible for it. Yeah. But as long as you own the property, we, we have what's called defensive title. So basically, if somebody registers something against your property, a fraudulent mortgage, mm -hmm. or a transfer to somebody else, or even if the next door neighbor starts a claim against you saying, well, they've got some of your property through adverse possession or something, mm -hmm. then we're on the hook if there's an actual claim. We don't cover trash talking across the fence. So if the mm -hmm. next door neighbor starts saying, I'm going to make a claim, we'll go fine. Whenever they do, we'll, we'll respond to it. And, and to get it right, when you purchase the title insurance, it's done at time of closing, right? Just before closing, and it the stays for the life of the owner owning the house? That's right. And it's your it's portion of the policy. If you've got a lender and an owner policy, mm -hmm. so a mortgage, you may have to repurchase the bank's portion of the policy if you flip your mortgage from Scotia to RBC. Oh, okay. Right? You do a refinance, then you have to repurchase the bank's. Your ownership policy will stay with you through your ownership. What about when you discharge the mortgage and you haven't paid off? Then... And then You'd still have your homeowner you still policy, have your policy provided policy. you yeah, bought it. They're so. different policies. Yeah. There's a yeah. different policy for the owner and the lender, and, and, a, and a refinance policy is rather inexpensive. So, yeah. okay. And in so fact, even if you have the original policy for the, for the lender, as long as you never discharge the mortgage, even if it's assigned to a new lender, so say for five years you have it with the TD, and then after five years you go to Scotia, and after five years you go to CIBC, mm -hmm. that coverage remains in effect as long as the mortgage is not discharged. That's one of the reasons why lenders are keen on title insurance, aside from fraud. Would you have an estimate of the percentage of people that get title insurance on residential purchases? It's it's Be getting high, it's right? getting close to 9900 yeah, percent. It's almost 100 percent. You know, because it, it just makes sense. One of the other things that you know that is a huge area of coverage, and it's our second highest area of claims, de deals with building you know open permits. Uh, work orders and work done without a permit when a permit would have, would have been required. So the issue there is a predecessor in title may have done work to the house. They may have done a renovation or made an addition mm -hmm. and they would have required a permit at the time, but they didn't get one. That's the first part. Like the basement. Yeah. Nobody, nobody ever gets permits in the basement. Well, you know, or even build, people do crazy things. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and they watch Home and Garden Network and they go crazy. And um, They think they can privately sell their house. Yeah. Well, now, and, and, and now the municipality has found out and they're, and they're issuing an order to either remove or remediate whatever work was done. Mm -hmm. Now, a lawyer can't be responsible for that because there's no way anybody can determine that before closing. You can't go to the municipality and say, tell me what work was done without a permit. Mm -hmm. So, but we do cover that, and we pay out an awful lot of money on that. So fraud, permits, water? Yeah. It's pretty much anything taxes, that would have been, taxes, anything that could have been determined by, by a search or by a survey. So when you start adding in all of the money that's involved, it's way out of, out of line with, in, ter in terms of what you pay for title insurance when you take into account the survey. But also there's a timing issue. It takes time to get a lot of the reports that are out there, sometimes weeks, maybe even a month. And most of the time, the closing date date is much much sooner than that. Yeah, so, or even the due diligence period. Yeah, and getting a survey, that's a whole other thing. You know, we have to order surveys sometimes. I just did one um, the other day, and it's going to take four to six weeks for me to get it. Yeah, yeah. So again, those are problems that really hold things up. 
So I think that's one of the reasons title insurance has become so popular. Yeah. And Kevin, you touched on it a bit. I won't get you to extrapolate on it, but what sets Stewart title apart and why I'm very loyal to Stewart is there are other title insurers out there that are trying to do away with lawyering. So they're uh, trying to push the lawyer piece out of real estate transactions and Stewart's works with lawyers mm. as opposed to against lawyers. Well, Stewart's always been of the opinion that um, what what is working well, you should work with. Mm -hmm. And we like to do what we do, not encroach into other areas. And when we look at in terms of lawyers being involved or not involved, claims are less with lawyers when our lawyers are involved. They're already doing a lot of due diligence. And you know, when you start taking into account, if you took lawyers out of it, you'd have to do a tremendous investment to open up offices across the province. And the province of Ontario was huge geographically. Mm -hmm. And um, you'd have to hire staff and then people would have to do that. And the cost to the consumer would go through the roof. You know, so right now I think the consumer gets a tremendous buy with lawyers. I think lawyers are tremendously underpaid, but that's yes. just, just my view. I think, and they're, I think they're very good just value. Saying. So we, we partner with lawyers and we, we do programs for lawyers. We assist lawyers. We think that they should be in the transaction and we do everything we can to assist them to do a really good job for their client and protect their client because that's both of our interests, right? We don't want claims. Loaded question here. What do you think of realtors? I think realtors are necessary. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen people sell their own houses and yeah. it never really turns out all that well. No, never. So, you never hear those stories advertised no, online no. or on... Uh, Purple bread. TB. <laughs> Purple bread will be interesting, yeah. No, I think, you know, we're of the opinion that, you know, you hire specialists to do their job and yeah. and everybody does a good job and everybody's protected. Oh, I think like everything, there's good lawyers, there's bad lawyers. There's yeah. good realtors, there's bad realtors, you know. Yeah. There's good mortgage brokers, bad mortgage brokers. So it depends on who you get and who you get referred from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting about the title insurance, though. That's perfect. That's actually a nice, uh, a nice little Somebody recap. Can. I like that. Thanks very much, Kevin, for coming in. Oh, you're most welcome. We really appreciate uh, you. You drove you drove quite a way to, to come to our podcast. We're just we're reaching all corners of Ontario. This is amazing. Uh, I, thought it, I thought it was all yeah. corners of the earth, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you very much. Thanks everyone for uh, for listening in. And uh, if you've got any more questions about this, you know, absolutely. Facebook us. Yep. Tweet us. LinkedIn yeah. us. LinkedIn. As uh, yeah, reach out to us. On, so LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah. And thanks again to Brand Boulevard for sponsoring the uh, the uh, guest gift. Thank yes. you very much. Thanks to Stuart uh, Title and help us help you stay informed. Ciao. Out. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.